0: Thank you, Kerry, and good morning, everyone. Lovely to see you. My name's Andy Roughhead. I'm the curate here at St. Paul's. Let's pray. Father God, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light on our path. Uh, Lord, we're here this morning, some of us are in a particular place, others in another place, uh, in our walk with you, Uh, we just pray that you would, by your Spirit, come and speak to us, and enliven in us these words of Jesus this morning. In his name we pray, amen. So as Jonathan said, we're continuing our journey through Luke's Gospel, um, and Jesus' ministry is in full swing by this point. We're seeing these amazing healings and, and teaching and Jesus telling his parables and, and, and all this stuff is going on. And uh, this morning, we get a little, like a little brief aside um, where Jesus answers the question, what's the point of it all? What's the point of Jesus' ministry and his teaching? Um, you know, why do the four Gospels contain the whole story of Jesus' life and all that he... You know, and his teaching and healings and miracles, why not just skip straight to the cross and the resurrection? Why have um, all of this leading up to it? And this also it follows straight on from the parable of the sower. Uh, so Jonathan was preaching on that last Sunday night, and you can catch up on that, and you can watch that on YouTube or on our website. I'll give it a listen. Um, and in all the Gospels where the parable of the sower appears, it always prompts this reflection what is it for? What does it mean? What's Jesus going on about? So Jesus explains, um, and he uses this metaphor. He says, my teaching is like a light. So that's what I've called this uh, sermon this morning is life in the light. And Jesus uses the image of a lamp. So I've got a modern-day lamp here. This is the light bulb uh, from my house, and when you put up—if you're—I'm not an electrician, but there are some amongst us. But when you put up a light, maybe if it's the only light source in the room, where do you put it? You—you don't put it in the corner behind the sofa, do you? You don't put it under the dining table. You put—it's obvious, isn't it? You put it up, right at the top of the room, right in the middle. That's why when we did the. Um, The reordering of this church, all the lights are up there (laughs) so that we can benefit from the light. That's just how light works. And so if that's how we set up our homes, how much more when God sends his son, the light of the world, Jesus, into our world? He's going to put him in a prominent place, a place where everyone can see. Jesus' teaching is for everyone. Each one of us today, no one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that all who come in can see the light. So we're going to look this morning at three aspects of Jesus' teaching that's like a light, how it's for us and how it actually needs a response from us today. And the first one is this. Jesus' teaching illuminates. It gives us light. It informs us. It's true. It makes sense. C.S. Lewis, uh, a great um, Christian thinker and writer and communicator, author of the Chronicles of Narnia, uh, wrote this. I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. Jesus' words make sense of life in a way that no one else has ever equaled. Christianity is satisfying and has explanatory power both for our hearts and also for our heads. And that's the claim that Jesus is making here. Uh, you know, when we look at the teaching of Jesus, it tells us where we've come from like why we're here why there's why there's something instead of nothing because God made the world because he made each one of us and he knows us and he loves us and has purposes for us the teaching of jesus tells us where we're going the way that god works out his purposes in the world and in our lives the teaching of jesus tells us how to live wisely what the good life looks like, the radical lives of generosity and mercy and integrity and justice. I've certainly found this in my years sitting under Jesus' teaching, and I know many of us here will say the same. And it's important to say, if you have questions, because Uh, Christianity, the words of Jesus make sense of life. If you have questions about that or doubts, we would love to invite you to come and join us on Alpha uh, here at St. Paul's. We'll be running an Alpha course in the autumn, and we'd love to uh, to have you along to explore uh, with us. Other thing about Jesus' teaching is it's been highly influential. I've been working my way through a brilliant book um, by Tom Holland, historian rather than the actor, called Dominion, The Making of the Western Mind. This came out a few years ago, just before um, the pandemic hit. And it's a a real doorstop, but also very readable um, at the same time. And Holland's argument is this. The influence of Jesus is so strong, particularly in the Western world, that even in our post-Christian cultural moment, where our culture is in many ways detaching uh, from um, the Bible, and many people don't know who Jesus is or what the gospel is, what the good news is. Actually, um, we're still holding on to, we're so strongly influenced by it that we hold on to the outworkings of Jesus' teaching, and we just take them for granted. Um, So just even things like um, equal value of a human life, or the idea of human rights, or international law, the very fact that the, uh, the war in Ukraine has been condemned across the world, and why we see it as an act of great injustice, actually stems from the teaching of Jesus. In, in the Roman world, uh, in the first century Roman world, life was not equal, and actually Roman emperors would boast of how many people they had Killed in their conquest or enslaved. In fact, the the whole uh, economy of the Roman Empire was founded on slavery. So, this was a complete depth charge, Jesus' teaching that everyone um, is is equal, equally loved by God. Tom Holland, in an interview, um, said this Paul's letters, along with the four Gospels, are the most influential, impactful, revolutionary writings that have emerged from the ancient world. So Jesus' teaching illuminates, it enlightens us. Second, Jesus' teaching interrogates. Let's pick up uh, in our passage at verse 17. Jesus said, there's nothing hidden that will not be disclosed, and nothing concealed that will not be made known or brought out into the open. Therefore, consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they think they have, will be taken from them. Quite dramatic words of Jesus there. And they may, there may be a little bit of deja vu going there because these are similar words to what Jesus says. Uh, when he tells the parable of um, the talents or the meanness. This comes, in Luke's gospel, it comes later. Um, this is the story where Jesus uh, tells, it will be familiar to many of us, uh, tells a story, a, a landowner is going away on a trip and entrusts some of his servants with different amounts of money. So one gets 10 lots of money, 10 talents. One gets five, one gets one. And is told, you know, make good use of these while I'm away, and when I come back, we'll see what you've done. Um, and of course, you know, the, the one with ten has, has made it into another ten. He's um, doubled uh, the, the money that's been trusted to him. The other one has also doubled it, five, has made another five. And uh, one of the, the, the servant that had the one talent of money just buried it in the ground. thought, well, just try and keep this one safe, and that might be okay. Um, and again, Jesus, uh, te- the words he finishes um, that parable with, as the, as the landowner comes back, honors the two who've made more, but then to the, the one who has one talent said, uh, take that talent away from him, give it to the one with ten. For everyone who has, to everyone who has, more will be given, but as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. And it's a slightly puzzling one at, at first, you be like, what? why? Why is, why is, what's the dynamic um, going on there? This is the thing, light interrogates, it, it shows what is there, it reveals. When you turn the lights on, you see things for what they really are. And uh, if you had a particular view, I don't know, if you come down at, at night, you've heard a rustling downstairs at night and you come down, you're like, what is it? Am I being burgled turn the light on? Oh no, it's nothing. It's I oh, don't know something. A pot just fell over or something. You immediately your your theory is is proven right or wrong okay, when we turn the light on. And Jesus' teaching is the light being turned on. Um, in the 16th century, um, there was a uh, a scientist, astronomer called Nicholas Copernicus, um, and he. Proposed a revolutionary new way of understanding. Oh, here's, a, here's a nice fancy diagram for the scientists for, a, for understanding the way that the solar system worked. Up until then, um, the, the world had been, or well, the Western world had been operating on this idea of geocentrism that the Earth is in the middle of the universe and everything goes around it. the sun goes around it, all the planets go around it. And, of course, in order to make that model work, you've got the, the, the image on the right there of the diagram. You've got to draw some quite loopy uh, different lines um, to make sense of everything. Copernicus proposed, actually, instead, that the Earth isn't at the center. The Earth rotates around the sun, as do the other planets. And there were, this was... Super divisive. Some thought, "Great, this sounds good," and went along with it. Others, particularly a number in the church, um, opposed it. They said, "No, this is wrong." But here's the thing: those Copernicus was onto something. I mean, he didn't get it completely perfect. Those people worked on it over the centuries since. But for those who clung on to geocentrism. Actually, any kind of scientific knowledge they thought they had ended up kind of diminishing and being taken away. Whereas those who uh, postured themselves towards reality actually then found that unlocked more and more understanding of the way the universe works. And now you know we've um, got satellites that are going all around um, the solar system, etc. That's not possible if you cling on to um, the, the world of geocentrism. So I, I wonder if that helps us perhaps to understand a little bit of what Jesus is saying here. When we embrace his teaching, it's like, yeah, we, we see life for how it should be, how it could be, and you can get more and more understanding, more and more uh, living in the life of God. But when we reject it, actually it's like we're, we're going off into the dark. So light interrogates. It it confirms and occasionally it denounces um, our views. So to come to Jesus is to open ourselves up to being challenged um, by his teaching and and corrected. So light of Jesus illuminates it, interrogates, and and thirdly and finally, and um, I'll close with this, The teaching of Jesus invites. It's attractive. It involves us. At the end of here in verse 19, we read, Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. Jesus replied, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. So not only is the teaching of Jesus true, and not only is it challenging, but it's also profoundly invitational. And to accept it and to seek to live it out, Jesus says, it's it's like being part of the family of God, being part of his family, the family of God himself. You don't need to be a certain kind of person, you don't need to be highly educated, you don't need to have a Christian extended family, you don't need to, certainly don't need to have everything worked out um, in your life, but rather to embrace the teaching of Jesus is to do life with him um, and to be called his family member. And it went, God has switched on the light, and it's not a a kind of cold clinical laboratory, although that might feel like home for some of us. You know, it's not a uh, kind of, it's not an alien uh, landscape where we've got to try and survive. No, it's a it's a family home where we get to live with Jesus. That's why Jesus' teaching we have here it illuminates and interrogates in order to invite us into His family. So God has switched on the lights in Jesus, and the question for us is: Will we? live that life with him in the light. Uh, Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to be the light. Thank you for the words of his that we have in the Bible, in the gospels, here in Luke's gospel. Thank you for all that you've been Uh, teaching us and showing us and challenging us so far over the months that we've been spending in this book Uh, Lord would you help us each one of us to live in the light for those of us for whom that's a scary prospect we feel actually the light of Jesus the words of Jesus um, profoundly challenge us maybe even frighten us Lord would you send your spirit uh, to comfort and to direct for those of us for whom actually we're not quite sure what the teaching of Jesus is and it feels often like we, we can't see Lord would you send your spirit to us uh, to enlighten and to draw us uh, towards yourself. Thank you, Lord, that you're good. Thank you that your words are true. May we live increasingly um, in the light of them. In Jesus' name, amen.